Boston's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 7.06, Oilers game tomorrow. We'll have a best of inside sports coming up on Friday night. Oilers game Saturday and Monday. Monday will be the conclusion of this stretch where they have played every second day, every even-numbered day in March since March 6th. And then they are on Almost a football schedule. Well, not quite, but they'll play uh, Saturday, Wednesday, and Saturday going to April 9th to finish off the season. Reed Wilkins with you. Appreciate you joining us tonight. Oilers and Sharks tomorrow after the Oilers lost last night to the Arizona Coyotes. And Bob Stoffer is with the team and joining us now. Bob, I can guarantee we will be more focused than last week's segment where we were both watching university hockey online while trying to be live on the radio. Oh, you're bang on on that. And unfortunately, uh, I think we both had a very nervous feeling about what was about to transpire, even though the Bears actually led 2 nothing when we began that conversation. So uh, sometimes when you, you know, during the course of a year, when you see things repeatedly over over in a team's game, um, you, you don't have a sense of real confidence in what a group might be able to accomplish, despite maybe what they've done in past years. And so... I think that was, for me, that was part of the challenge of trying to do the interview. Not in the fact that I'm just not very good at the best of times. Oh, come but, on, Bob. Uh, but uh, anyhow. Uh, Don't I, be so I, hard I, on yourself, Bob. You're getting better with age, if anything. Well, I, I think that's debated. But, uh, <laughs> no, it, and we got to see whether, you know, the next step is here, what happens. Uh, obviously, with the Edmonton there are six games left in the regular season. they got the three games against the, the three top teams in the Pacific Division, then the final three season, the three games in the final 13 days. Just a bizarre schedule. I mean, 15 games in 29 days in March. Um, you know, compressed school and then a long break before the All-Star break. You know, it's it, it, a whole... And I know for a fact it's something that's going to get looked at by Todd McClellan and Peter Shirelli carrying forward because I think it's you know, maybe it, it adds to the war of attrition on the bodies up front and on defense, lends itself to more injury. There's, you know, the recovery time that gets challenged, uh, and then you're traveling and playing in the Pacific Division. So uh, it, lots of things have conspired against this group this year. Obviously, injuries in the back end have played a significant factor, especially with Clefbaum. And I'm not even sure how you describe Clefbaum's injury this year. Just, you know, I, I saw a stat yesterday, Reed, where somebody said 115 of the previous 117 games he had played. And then he misses the final 52 games this year. It's It's been tough to deal with. All right. Uh, I, w- I want to get into some Calder Trophy stuff, but let's talk about the current situation first with the Oilers. I know they did not uh, skate today, but was there anything going around about Ryan Nugent Hopkins after last night's injury? No. Okay. That's, that's all I got. I mean, we didn't, I didn't see him. Uh, you know, he was on the plane. He, he flew with the team. Um Given the scenario that Edmonton is in, uh, the position they're in, I don't think there's any need in any way, shape, or form to uh, to rush him through this. So when he's ready, he's going to be ready. If he's not ready for the final six games, not ready for the for the 
almost excuse, but it certainly changed the complexion read, as you know, as to what they tried to do last night in that game in Arizona. Well, big time. I mean, Nugent Hopkins was a huge loss when he was out, and he was a huge loss after he went out in that game. Though they did, though they did have a good third period, my complaint about the third period would be hit the net. I mean, you had the zone time, you had the territory, you had the puck, you had seven shots, and, and Arizona wound up with seven. Granted, was one, one was into an empty net. Polak and Nurse, what's the Stoffer prediction? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if one of the other San Jose guys that can actually fight might challenge Nurse. And if that happens, I'm sure Nurse will take the fight. But I don't think they'll necessarily go out. I mean, if they recall Michael Haley at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, I guess we're going to have our answer. Or Fraser McLaren, but if the if McLaren gets recalled, Luke Gazdick's going to play. I mean, that's it's as simple as that. And then, I mean, that's what happened against Florida. You know, Gazdick was in the lineup that came down to Florida. Sean Thornton was in for Florida, and they did what they do in terms of stretching uh, during the pregame. Had a little conversation, and Hendricks went and took the fight with uh, Gabranson, and it was done, and it was over with. So, you know, I, I think that. Uh, I mean, Nurse has logged a fair amount of minutes. This is an important game for San Jose. They got to first focus on winning the game, but he might he might get challenged. So it's not going to be Polak that's going to fight him, because Nurse will just break his nose again. It's going to, you know, he'll knock him around again. Now I, I will say this: Roman Polak plays on the edge. Roman Polak's got a history of being uh, hard and tough, even against some of the San Jose players. So I, I you know, I, I don't think. You're going to see a whole team go after Nurse. Might be one guy, and if it happens, it happens. All right. Bob Stoffer joining us inside sports on 630. Ched. Bob, I don't know if you saw my post today to the Ched website, but I reached out to some people around the league. I got 17 replies. As, as you know, when you and I do stuff like this, it's far from scientific. 13 people in the media, two current NHL players, one from each conference, and uh, one blogger situated in each conference. I said, give me your top three for the Calder Trophy. Artemi Panarin got 11 first-place votes. Connor McDavid got four. And uh, Gostas Bear and Eichel got one each. I did the 3-2-1 point format. And uh, Panarin was first, McDavid second, Gostas Bear third. It wouldn't surprise me if that's what happens when they're actually handed out. I guess the bigger issue, and, and uh, a few of the people I talked to brought this up. Certainly I've been getting texts about it tonight. Is it will, will this lead to a change in the rules? That now the games played thing about McDavid. That's I think that's a personal thing. Will this? Is, do the rules need to be changed? Maybe they lower it from 26 to 23. Do they need to say if you've played X number of games in the KHL, the AHL, or whatever, you're not eligible? Because the Panarin thing, it's not just that he's 24. I mean, it's not as if he's out of the NCAA. He played over 250 pro games in a pretty good league. Yeah, I, you know, and that's well. First of all, I applaud you for taking the time to, to do something like this. Though you didn't ask me, I won't take it personally. <laughs> uh, you know, the definition is the rookie that is the most proficient. Uh, it would not surprise me, given that he's averaging better than a point per game in March, that Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid could very well end up winning Rookie of the Month in the month of March as well. So then he would go three for three, October. February and March. Um, and then in terms, you know, so to me, it's going it, to, it, I find it interesting that that was the percentage of the vote. Um, but, you know, and Panarin certainly benefited from playing, playing with Patrick Kane, but he's also played a full year. 
I think you're on to something with the KHL. Uh, you know, there's it, 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 that's the pro league. That, that's all there is to it. And so uh, now if a college guy comes out of 24, to me, that's different. But a, a pro league like the KHL or AHL sort of still seen as a developmental league, so it's really a one-off specific KHL, and that'll just further uh, you know, frustrate uh, the, the pro-Russian crowd out there that uh, always get picked on. But, I, you know, their, their league's trying to compete with the National Hockey League, and in my mind, a guy that plays in the KHL is not a rookie. All right, Bob, I uh, had a great guest on in the previous half hour. Got a name for you. Bob Ridley, 3,700 WHL games that won't grow because the uh, Oil Kings knocked out his Medicine Hat Tigers. He doesn't drive the bus anymore. He's no longer the bus driver and the play-by-play guy, but he was for 40-whatever. I mean, what, what, a, what an incredible guy. I can't imagine doing that many games and uh, just what an institution within the WHL. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you had a great guest in the previous half hour because the guy that you got on he sucks, but uh, uh, with all serious, I mean, it, it, it is a, it is one of those stories that you hear, right? In in terms of a guy that uh, in Medicine Hat's a unique community. They've gone through some ownership challenges. They got the new building. You know, he's obviously his family's loved it there over the years. You know, now did he talk? The son works here in Edmonton. No, we didn't get into that. It was all yeah, medicine, it's all Tiger stuff. Yeah, his son's a, uh, a dentist here in Edmonton. I, I, I see him at the Riverbend Safeway. Oh, he's probably talked to him four times in the last five years. Really nice guy. Uh, oh, it's great. It's a great story. And it, that's what happens when a guy finds a niche and, and, and loves the community that he's in. And, you know, there, there might be somebody that you know that really loves Edmonton and maybe had a chance a few years ago to go to another uh, NHL uh, market or team in a different role. But the guy loves Edmonton. And, you know, that's, the, you know, so I can personally kind of relate to that. You know what I mean? I think that, uh, you know, at a different time, in a different place, maybe a guy goes up and spends 25 years in Prince George, as an example, when they have a team where, uh, you know, so it's, that's, a, that's a super story. All the ex-Tiger players have always been very supportive of Bob. And, uh, you got to be able to coexist in those roles as well because it's really, you know, like I was yesterday at the University of Alberta, and you, you become – you know, I, I was the one guy that traveled with the Golden Bear Hockey Program for all those years. I was in a media role. They've had other guys that were supporters, but, you know, you really do become closer to the team. And really, you can kind of extend that metaphor for what we do, you know, for Jack and myself and the guys in the web team and the Rogers guys. I mean, when you're on that plane and when you're around that uh, around those players, you're expected to act in a specific manner and uh, know how to coexist in terms of the context of the team. And it's and so the degree of separation is a little bit different than when you're, you know, as an example, when I was hosting a show on another station, but I didn't have that privilege to, to be around the group. You know, it was a pretty specialized job. So, um, you know, cool story on Bob Ridley. I'm glad for the Oil Kings to one, but uh, they are, that is a top challenge, Reed, and uh, we've got to take the opportunity to go and see the Brandon Wheat Kings play next week at Rexall Place because there's some talented hockey players, including a guy that'll probably go number one in 2017 in Nolan Patrick. And we're going to have Luke Bertolucci from the Oil Kings on here in a few minutes. Bob, you are an excellent guest. You're way too hard on yourself this evening. I'm going to tell people to tweet you compliments or something. 
Uh, no, I don't have to do that. Let's go get a win tomorrow night. Oh, wait, that's not up to you and me. Anyways, uh, it'll be fun, <laughs> Reed. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. See you, Bob. That is Bob Stoffer checking in, host of Oilers Now. You will get that from noon to 2 tomorrow right here on 6.30. Chad, Bob and I will sign on with the face-off show at uh, 7 o'clock. We all love Bob, right? You all love Bob? Eh. Here's what we're going to do. Matthew, do you want to take a break, and then we'll bring in Luke Bertolucci? Huge couple of goals last night for the Oil Kings in their win over the Tigers. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, good to have you along for the ride. Canada starts off with two in the first end to lead Finland. 2-0 at the Women's World Curling Championship in the National Hockey League. Thanks for Sam G filling me in. Uh, Boston had a goal challenged by New York for offside and overturned and taken off the board. That's why the internet told me 1-1 at one point and then told me 2-0 later on. It's now 3-0. The Rangers leading the Bruins in the second period. Islanders leading the Senators 3-1 with uh, nine minutes left. Chinook League action tonight. Out in Stony Plain. Stony Plain hosting the Bentley Generals. Game four of that best-of-seven series. Bentley is up two games to one. The home team has won Every game so far. That one is going to start at 8. Love that level of hockey. The Oil Kings, a big win last night in Medicine Hat to advance to play Brandon in the opening round of the playoffs. They could not have done it without a couple of goals from Luke Bertolucci. Luke, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good, thank you. What's the last uh, 24 hours been like? Well, I guess maybe a little less than that, specifically since the end of the game and you're on that high of winning and, and you travel. What's it been like? Uh, it's been awesome. I mean, we traveled to Moose Jaw after the game last night. You know, everyone is excited. Uh, today's a new day. You know, we're in Brandon now, and we're starting to shift our focus onto the Brandon series uh, after that great win last night and hopefully build off that. All right. Now, last night's game did not start well. It was 2 nothing Medicine Hat, 5-0-2 in, and this is a team that you hadn't beat all season. So what was what was the mood on the bench when they got out to that early lead? Um, you know, we knew they were going to have a great crowd and, uh, you know, they've had a lot of momentum lately, but, uh, you know, we just stuck with it. You know, we knew they'd come out strong and, uh, we knew we'd get our chance though. So we just waited. Tell me about your shorthanded goal that got you guys back in the game. Yeah. Um, they turned the puck over at the blue line and I was going to dump it down, but I still had a little bit of energy left. So took the puck down, went across the blue line and, I was still pretty far out when I shot it, so I was pretty surprised when it went in, but I'll take it. Biggest goal you ever scored, or where would it rank? Uh, I don't think it's the biggest one. I think probably that Portland one was bigger. Uh, it's up there, though, for sure. Okay. Well, it was a, two or three. Yeah, it was a pretty big one, and then you got another one about two minutes later to, to tie the game. It must, I mean, it must have been incredible to storm back, not just to tie it, but it must have been significant to tie it up so quickly, too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they had all the momentum, the energy uh, feeding off that crowd. And, you know, when we clawed back, uh, their their rink went silent. So, you know, it was just nice to uh, shift the momentum back in our favor and, and build off that. Special teams were really good. You had the shorthanded goal. You guys also scored twice on the power play. What worked for you guys? Uh, 
just getting pucks to the net. I mean, our power play has been working this year, and, uh, you know, we've been shooting a lot more. So, you know, we just got a couple shots right off face-offs, and they both went in. So that's fantastic. Luke Bertolucci from your Edmonton Oil Kings joining us inside sports on 630. Ched, they will start up against Brandon tomorrow. Uh, what did you guys do today? Just a, just a lot of rest, or uh, what, what's been on the agenda? Uh, we pretty much just got into Brandon. We had lunch. Um, we were in Moostraw, and we traveled for pretty much four or five hours today. So now we're just going to do probably a meeting tonight and get ready for the series. All right. Tell me a little bit about Brandon. Obviously, you played them last year, and uh, and they're a really good team. So what's the scouting report? Uh, yeah, they are. Um, you know, we've actually won the season series this year, so, you know, we're confident. But we know uh, what happened last year, and hopefully – we can, um, you know, build off that experience and uh, hopefully come out on top this time. I mean, you know, you hear about the Portlands, the Calgarys, you know, they've always been our rivals, but I think Brandon is truly our rival, especially over the last few years we've seen them in playoffs. Okay. Well, Luke, all the best. Big game last night. Really appreciate you catching up with us here on Inside Sports. Thanks for having me. That is Luke Bertolucci from your Edmonton Oil Kings. He got a pretty big goal in Game 3 of the WHL Championship Series against Portland. That's what he was referring to. The Oil Kings won that game 3-2. That was a crazy series. The uh, Winterhawks won the first two games on home ice. The Oil Kings won 3-4 and four at home. They won Game 5 in Portland. They had a 5-2 lead in Game 6, trying to win it at Rexall Place. Portland came back and won in overtime, and then uh, the Oil Kings won in Game 7 in Portland the next day. So Bertolucci was part of that as well, but he was huge last night with two goals against the Tigers. All right, here's what uh, we're going to do. We are at halftime of the big program. Kelly Rudy is up next. Talk a little bit about his thoughts on the Calder Trophy race and... Some of the most intelligent players Kelly has ever played with. That'll be interesting. We're going to get some great Rexall place memories. Mark Lewis is the longtime Oilers PA announcer. He'll be in studio. And Rod Proudfoot. I, this is going to be great. The former manager for boxer Willie DeWitt. The Canadian heavyweight title was won by DeWitt 30 years ago. That'll be between 8 and 8.30 tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right. Oh, a little Weezer. They just pumped out another album. The White Album. Wasn't the White Album done already? Well, by the, by the Beatles. Yes. Yeah, that was a long time ago. No, <laughs> no one remembers that. How many uh, colors of the uh, so Weezer had the the blue album that was their first album, that uh, the green album I think that was their their third album. They had, they had a red album I know I don't know which where that was. Now they got a, a white album, I believe they have a have a salmon pink album, and a mauve album. I believe those are the colors they have. Or do I have all those right? I don't know about that salmon pink album. I don't know about that one. Sounds, we'll, a little, sounds a little suspicious we'll, to me. We'll but. have to look it up. <laughs> we'll have to. 
Look it up. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It is 734. My name is Reed Wilkins. The other guy talking is the studio producer, Matthew Panashik. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Bit of an aside here. It is National Puppy Day. Or at least that's what Twitter tells me. Because everybody's posting photos of their dog. Now, let me ask you this. A puppy is technically a dog in its first year of life, correct? Correct. I think some of the pictures being posted, the dogs are older than one. Now, I know if people are going to say, Reed, you're being a little too strict. I'm just saying, not an actual puppy. And don't get me started on the super dogs. We're not going down that road again. We're not, I, I won't go down that road again. Just saying, not actually super. And some of the puppies on Twitter today, not actual puppies. So, like, I'm just, I'm just saying to people, respect the hashtag. Respect the hashtag. Don't post a picture of your dog if he or she is not a puppy. That's all I'm asking, Matthew. Am I asking too much? No, I don't think so. Like if you said it was National uh, Muffin Day, you wouldn't put a picture of a cupcake. Or a donut. Just because it's a similar shape. That's, yeah. all, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Respect the hashtag. I should make a hashtag. Respect the hashtag. 7.35, still 3-1, Islanders leading Ottawa, just two minutes left. Looked like uh, the Islanders are going to win that one. Kelly Rudy from the NHL on Rogers joins us once a week here on Inside Sports. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Reed. Pleased to introduce you as, according to Bob Ridley, one of the greatest Medicine Hat Tigers of all time. How about that? <laughs> oh my Bob and I have such a special relationship I don't know what uh, kind of detail he went into with you but even going back to my first year with the Tigers in 1978 uh, I was a 17 year old kid I didn't know much about the Western Hockey League and so I was uh, really young and naive hadn't traveled much in my life in fact I think it was only the year before I ever went on my first ever airplane ride so um it was just a real great learning experience, and I had mentors like Bob, and I, 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 don't, I hope he takes that uh, correctly or the right way, but, you know, you're looking for guys for leadership and so on because he had been around the organization from day one, and often on those long bus rides, I'd stand up by the front of the bus, and he and I would talk and share stories, and I'm not going to tell you I'm a hockey historian, but I like the history of the game, and, and that was no different point for the Tigers. I wanted to hear about guys like John Hillworth and uh, some of the other guys that maybe didn't have the same name recognition as Tom Lysiak or Landy McDonald or Pete Peters, but still very important in the history of the Tigers. Yeah, well, he did mention he shared lots of lots of good conversations with you, so that's that's pretty cool. Kelly Rudy yeah. joining us inside sports on, uh, on 6.30. Chad, a uh, few things I want to hit on with you, Kelly. I mean, we've talked a lot about special players and the intelligence of players and their determination. But I, I want to use Jordan Osterley as a jumping off point for my question today because this was a guy at the start of the season you'd identify as whatever, pick a number, 11, 12, 13 on the Oilers' defense depth chart. He's come up from the farm because of injuries. He's really held his own. And last night the kid played 27 minutes. And I don't want to suggest that he's not uh, a talented player or that he can't you know play physically and stuff like that but I look at him and I say here's a guy who's really playing the game with his brain that is just reading plays and understanding things 
And I, I don't know if you ever had a guy where you thought maybe you met him or you practiced with him a few times and thought this guy's too small, slow, whatever to, to play, and then you were like, wow, this guy just survives on his hockey intellect. Yeah. I, I do have a name in mind, and I don't even know if you'll remember this guy. I hope you do. But going back to my days with the San Jose Sharks, I played with a guy by the name of Billy Peltonen. He was from Finland. And uh, Billy was not the biggest guy. I think he was about uh, 5'10 or so, 180-some pounds. Didn't skate especially well. Um, did, wasn't all that quick. Um, he didn't have a very hard shot. But yet, he, he played almost 400 games in the National Hockey League. And I, I, I can't recall how many times he's represented his uh, country in Olympics or world championships and so on. And here's a guy that, that just did it through sheer hard work, determination, but more importantly, and above all those things, just intelligence. He really was a student of the game, really tried to learn what everybody's role was on the ice, what their jobs were, how he could use his skills to exploit that. And I could go on and on for this guy. Oh, by the way, he was a, a, a really well-liked guy too, so that helped him a lot. And then you, you kind of go from a guy like Billy – to maybe guys that did it through hard work like Tim Waters, Todd Gill, Tony Granato, guys that were absolutely fierce competitors and just willed it out of themselves. And then I'm going to throw in two names that they're more recognizable for sure, but Bernie Nichols and Luke Robitaille. Um, Bernie, you'll remember, Reed scored uh, 70 goals one year, had 150 points playing with Gretzky in 89, or 88-89, Luke went on to have a Hockey Hall of Fame career. But I, I'll tell you this, and I'm sure these two guys would think this is the ultimate compliment. I played with and played against more talented guys, but these guys got everything out of themselves. Luke, in fact, he, he knew where to put himself to score. He had a great release, and he worked on it and those sorts of things, as did Bernie. But he just he really understood how you have to play the game to have success for the skill level they had. Bernie also, you know, you think of Bernie when he came in the league, he was a really high scorer. But uh, as his skating started to deteriorate, he turned into one of the best defensive players in the game. He really focused on taking face-offs. He focused on his duties uh, defensively and so on. So I gave you a bunch of examples of how intelligence can really – um, get you into the game, but more importantly, maybe make you last. Well, that's a good point because a lot of times the best players, I, I mean, look, if some players, even in the NHL, Kelly, they practice harder than other players, and they're more willing to that's adapt right. their game than other players. That's right. And then I can finish off just in that sense, and I should with the Gretzky story because uh, the all-time best. What blew me away about how he studied for a game is we'd be getting dressed before warm-up, and we'd all be in the dressing room, and he'd say, hey, let's just say we're at home playing the Oilers that night. He'd go, hey, this is a really big game because Calgary's in Hartford tonight. Tomorrow they're in Boston, and two nights from now they have the Islanders, and three nights they have – or four nights they have the Rangers, and uh, Vancouver's in uh, St. Louis. Then they go to Chicago. He knew everybody else's schedule. And, and that was unbelievable. And he'd say, you know, and I think the Canucks are most likely going to go 4-1 and one in this road trip or, or the Flames will go 3-2 uh, 
three and three or so. He just had everything mapped out, unlike anybody I've ever played with in my life. Well, I mean, Gretzky just a hockey savant, and I mean that's how some yep. people have described Connor McDavid. And clearly, we don't know where McDavid's going to go. But I mean, just from being around McDavid right. a bit and what people say about him, he's just, and I mean this in a good way, he's obsessed with the game of hockey. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if, if his mind works that way too. Which leads me to my next yeah. question for you. I, I did a kind of an informal survey with uh, some people from around the league. And look, it's it's a fun survey. It's not an indication of any result. Yep. But the voting went that Panarin would win the Calder Trophy with McDavid second. Um I don't know how how into this debate you are, Kelly, but, it, you know, the, the games played does matter because there is something about surviving playing 70, 75, 82 games, whether yeah. it's your fault or not that you got hurt or sick or, or whatever happens. Yeah. Does, does McDavid have a shot in your mind, though, to win it? He does. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to win it, but I think everybody in the hockey world knows that he's going to be the best of this crop. I mean, that's just the standard. Everybody accepts that. And I mean, what he does is phenomenal. Um, but I've chosen, and I said it last Saturday on the air on hockey night to, to pick Panarin. Um, the one thing I, I did bring up though, I think that the league should look at maybe um, changing the age again, because I believe it was 1988 when uh, Makarov won and he was 31 years old, and the league finally said, hey, well, there's something wrong with this rookie voting. They had never had a guy come in that dominant. They'd never had a guy come in from Russia or uh, the Soviet Union at the time, and and they didn't think that that was going to be an issue. So they changed it to 25 and younger. I'm wondering if they should do it again now because the disparity between McDavid at 18 and Panarin at 24 is enormous in terms of experience and so on. And... You, you really look at the game, it's dominated uh, or played by more young players than ever. So maybe they should look at it, but it should be an award now for somebody 22 and younger, something like that. Just tweak it a little bit. But nonetheless, that's not how it is right now. So I'm going with Panarin, and it's not simply because he plays with Patrick Kane and Anisimov that he's having success. He's He is a really talented hockey player. I mean, I wonder too if, it, or even if you don't worry about the age and you just say once you've played X number of professional games, whether it's in the KHL yeah. or even in the AHL, like if you're in the yeah. AHL for three seasons, you know, and then maybe you're too experienced to win the NHL rookie. I mean, Panarin's played over 250 KHL games. I mean, right. that's, that's a lot of games. Yeah, exactly. So under the current way that it the voting takes place, I would go with him, but I really do hope somewhere down the road they revisit it again. It's not a big issue, but it, it, it is an important award to win, and it's a pretty cool honor for you know McDavid or somebody like him uh, moving forward to win it if they truly do deserve it. All right. Uh, you know what, Kelly? We were going to talk Rexall Place memories. Why don't we save that for next week because we still got a couple of weeks Beautiful. until the final game. Okay, sounds good. My pleasure. I look forward to it, Reed. Yeah, me too. That is Kelly Rudy checking in tonight inside sports on 630 Chet. Kelly hit on a lot of good stuff. One thing kind of stands out to me, and he was talking about intelligence of hockey players and understanding the game, and then he kind of got into a little bit about Bernie Nichols adapting his game to survive and becoming more defensive and more of a checker and more of a face-off guy. And, I, and that leads me to ask you, 
which oiler, if any, have changed or added elements to their games over their time here? And I guess we're talking about the guys that have been here three years or more. So the, the Yakupovs, the Nugent Hopkins, the Halls, the Everleys, guys like that. The coaching changes have not helped. Do you think there has been enough initiative from each individual player to modify his game? Maybe not modify, but to improve or to add elements to his game? Or are we basically getting older versions of the same players as when they broke into the league? 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. I have some comments about my comments about National Puppy Day, of course. Elaine says, uh, exactly, I'm very literal too. Elaine from Castle Downs. I was complaining that uh, it looks like there are some full-grown dogs on Twitter. Frustrated fan who I love. He says, read the different breeds might not look like puppies, but they could be puppies. That is from Frustrated Fan. Frustrated Fan, I love you. Did you ever admit to me, frustrated fan, you were wrong about the Eskimos losing every game last season? Wasn't that you? Wasn't that you? Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. John is on the line. John, thanks for calling. Reed, how are you? I'm doing great. You're the hardest guy in the world to get through and picking the first goal scored in the game. Oh, okay. Well, we'll keep trying, but we only do one per game, so it's hard. I've picked five this month. <laughs> All right. Anyway, listen, my, my thoughts on uh, your question regarding uh, who's improved uh, would be uh, Eberly. I think he's uh, grown a lot uh, over the last uh, three years uh, in his game as far as uh, performing with those soft hands. All right. I, uh, so I, mean, I, I think he has tried harder. I don't think he's consistent enough this year. And especially once McDavid came back, I think he's been trying harder to play a better body position game. It's really motivated him, hasn't it? Well, I, I think, yeah, I think he's decided, I mean, he hears stuff. I think whether they admit it or not, they hear something. They may not hear as much that is as is out there about who's going to go where possibly in the summer. Exactly. But I think Eberle has decided that if he's going to be an Edmonton Oiler, he wants to be on that line. And has stepped it up a notch, I'll tell you. Yeah, he's done okay. I mean, it's, it's still going to be more consistent. I like the goal he got last night. Yeah, I guess my, my question for Eberle is... When he doesn't score, do you notice him? And I think that's still part of his challenge. Last night, my wife and I are talking, and I'm saying, uh, okay, I'm going to phone in. This time, I'm going to get lucky, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to pick Everly. It's going to be in the first period, and it's going to come off an assist from Connor McDavid. <laughs> you you would have got it. Yeah, in the first period. And uh, anyway, uh, I called in once. I think it was in January or early February, and I picked uh, uh, Hendricks, Matt. And you said, are you kidding? No one has ever picked him to score the first goal. <laughs> and guess what? The next game, he got <laughs> that game. You're the off. next game, and I think it may have been around the 7th of February. I'm not sure, but he got his first goal. Well, he got the first goal against the Winnipeg Jets shorthanded. Yeah. Remember, they didn't score until the third period. I bet you it was that game. Right. Yeah. But I'm going to keep trying. I just don't want you guys seeing my name on the phone and not answering. Uh, no, we'll keep trying, John. Thanks for calling, buddy. Ryan, you're up next. we got to take a quick timeout inside Sports on Chet. Your home 
for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right. Oh, classic Corey Hart. Uh, I'm going to get to Ryan right away. Got some text messages uh, coming in. George says Taylor Hall plays a smarter, less reckless game. Remember Taylor Hall said at the beginning of the season it was his goal to play all 82 games this season. So far, only he and Mark Letestu have a chance to do that. They've played every Oilers game. Uh, this texter says, I think Nuge has become a more complete two-way player and has made the most strides in developing his game more than any other current Oiler. A few more texts I want to read as well, but Ryan was holding there through the commercial. Ryan, you just wanted to hear Corey Hart. That's why you called in, but how are you doing? Good, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I just want to say, uh, I think Taylor Hall has definitely changed, but I think the one person that has really stoked to me is, I know Darnell Nurse didn't play on the Oilers last year, but like when you watch him, when you watch his junior career and you know some of his uh, like outings at the World Juniors and stuff like that, you see he's kind of he used to make more reckless plays than he does now. Like he still does have a couple blips here and there, but I think he's becoming more of a. He's not going to be an offensive defenseman, but he's going to be. I'm not. Going to, he's going to be like a stud on the blue line for Edmonton here for years to come. So I think just the way he's shaping his game, he's not risking it as much. I think that's that's the player to me because defense wins games. You can score as many goals as you want, but if you let in ten, you're not going to win the game. Well, Ryan, you make an interesting point. I, I think overall as well. I mean, the Oilers have been trying to refer to themselves as scrappy ever since the trade deadline. And as you probably know, I don't real totally buy into that because it's not consistent enough. But they have become a somewhat safer defensive team. And that's despite, you know, guys on the defense that, quite frankly, probably shouldn't be in the NHL night after night. Um, I guess maybe a, pro- a bigger problem for them now is that they've had nights where they've had decent or good goaltending and they've still lost because they haven't been able to score enough. And that's the thing that still boggles my mind is that they can't grind out goals or or make enough happen offensively when they're in a 1-1 game after two. Arizona comes out and gets the next two goals. And 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 that's and that's still a concern for me though I think though I think you have seen Nurse evolve probably into a more conservative player, but I think conservative in a good way. Yeah, I think I think Sekra is a big surprise too. I think I think Darnell Nurse and Andre Sekra, you know, I know you have to spread it out, but I think that those two, like they have they, I think they've played together at points throughout the season, and they they complement each other in sort of good ways. But I think Osterley, he's he's kind of that seventh defenseman role kind of guy, even though he's playing lots of minutes now because he's forced to. But I think. If you don't play him at 27 minutes a night, I think he could turn into one of those like a power play, a power play specialist, or you know somebody that can because like, he's not very big, so he's not going to go out there and bruise the other team. But he'll he'll move it up to your skilled forwards like McDavid and Eberle, and I think if you have that guy that can move the puck and also jump into the rush, then you get he sort of his offense doesn't really make up for his sort of lack of defense, but throughout the decor, you know, you can sort of do like a bell curve almost where you got your defense defensemen that play the top lines and the top two lines, and then you got your other defensemen that, you know, where you get that matchup that's in your favor, you get him out there and, you know, you capitalize on 
the other teams making mistakes and stuff like that. So here's my question, though, Ryan. If if there has been individual improvement, why are they still in 29th? That, that's, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. I think there there's so many new pieces on the team. And, like, you know, I'm not going to say injuries, but injuries played a huge factor, like with Nuge being out so long, McDavid being out, and you look at uh, Clefbaum on the point, like, with those are three key guys that missed 40 plus games this year so i'm not gonna blame injuries on it but i think you know next year we're, we're gonna see improvement i'm not saying we're gonna make the playoffs or anything but i see in like two three years we're gonna be up there cracking into the playoffs and i think with shirelli he's gonna bring in he, he still has his boston roots where he wants the big guys that'll come and grind it and i think uh, he did a really good job bringing in casting because, you know, you got that guy that can bruise around, stand up for your more skilled guys like Everlay and get in front on the po- on the power play. I think those, like, the third and fourth line needs to get bigger and faster. Yeah, Because that's how the Western Conference is. It's big and fast. Ryan, I got to go to the news, man. Thanks for calling. Thank you. That is Ryan at 780-496-0063. This is Inside Sports on Chet.